Welcome to the Discerning Gamer Podcast, your premium destination for all things gaming culture. We have the latest in gaming news, reviews of the hottest new games, discussion and analysis of the games of yesteryear. When you're short on time and need your gaming fix, look no further than the crew who know their master chief from their master sword. I love Halo. Your hosts, Joel, Simon, Casey, and Ferg. So toss a coin to your Witcher and answer that call of duty. It's time to level up. This is the Discerning Gamer Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Discerning Gamer Podcast. I am Jason Statham and I'm very happy to have you with us today. We've got a lot of gaming news this week. Australia is still staring down the barrel of a PS5 shortage that extends through a third Christmas. We've also got news on... Oh, I can't keep this up. That's really hard. <laughs> really hard on the throat. <laughs> welcome, welcome, one and all, uh, to the Descending Gamer. Uh, also this week, we've got uh, news on the new Gotham Knights game. Uh, which yeah, we'll be diving right into. We've also got some news on the Indie World presentation and some interesting comments about the next Nintendo Switch. But, as always, I cannot do it alone. I have to bring in the amazing DG crew to give me a hand to wade through the, the torrent of gaming uh, information coming at us. So without further ado, I introduce the PC gamer, the prince of pre-orders, the sultan of steam. He's the man to call if you want to go on a finger-licking good date, culminating in a menage a trois with the colonel himself. It's <laughs> Fergus Fergamon Hamilton. Welcome to the show, Ferg. JB, how are you, mate? Thanks, thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Absolutely. Given that I'm at your house while we're recording this, so technically you're having me. That's it. And the colonel. <laughs> Uh, next, we've got the gaming chef. He's the he's the domino that just won't tumble in an effort to be inconsiderate. It's Simon Steely McLaughlin. Welcome to the show, Steely. Oh, thanks, James. You know, I find it really upsetting that you find me to be so inconsiderate that you would think that I wouldn't tumble when another domino doth beckon at my back to push me over into the domino <laughs> that doth lay in front of me. But that's fine. I will take the criticism and I will make it better. Yeah, good on you, Steely. Yes. You t- take it on board, mate. Uh, finally, uh, last but not least, uh, we've got the Nintendo Queen. She's Tired of her neighbours having loud parties and is busy sharpening her trusty kitchen knives and practising her dance moves. It's Casey C. Mac McLaughlin. Welcome to the show, C. Mac. Thank you, Joel. How is everyone tonight? Oh, fantastically well. Another week of wanting to play some Elden Ring and not getting the opportunity to. uh, Just uh, life getting in the way, unfortunately. Haven't started yet, Joel. Uh, I've uh, I've cracked through the the tutorial cave mission that uh, you know you get right at the beginning, um, so I know I know the basic controls now and and then uh, so you're around twenty hours in. Yeah, yeah, you, you could say that. You could say that. How many deaths, Joe? Uh, I've I've had a couple. I actually uh, fell asleep holding the controller the other night and walked off the edge of a cliff. So uh, uh, that was fantastic. Um, anyway, five stars by Elden Ring. Oh, uh, you know. What what else can I say? But Elden Ring, you son of a bitch. Uh, well, Ferg, do you want to do you want to kick off the news this week? Because I know I know you've been real keen to to have a big chat about uh, Gotham Knights. Uh, we nearly we nearly doubled up this week on uh, on the gaming news because I was yeah. also pretty keen to to have a chat about this. So uh, what's what's the latest, Ferg? I was going to say, good thing we communicate with each other before the show, Joel. Or that would have been. Uh... Bit oh, of a, uh, all sorts if we got to the this a point. Short show. And, yeah, that's it. An extravaganza <laughs> of mammoth proportions. But uh, anyway, uh, One what, what, do you, what do you got for us? Anyway, so yeah, Gotham Knights. Um, yeah, bit of news this week. Um, this is the upcoming action role playing game by Warner Brother Games Montreal, um, and this is going to be their first game in nine years. And the last game that they released, which was actually a game that I loved, was Batman Arkham Orange Oranges. Arkham Orange Legends. Delicious. (laughs) That's it. Not to be confused with the uh, Rocksteady um, Arkham games, which they also 
um, that they released, which was Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, Arkham Knight. The um, Montreal, they did their origin story. So anyway, nine years later, they're uh, gearing up to release their latest game. And during the week, we got to see uh, 13 minutes of gameplay with the developers. Now, if you're not familiar with um, this new game, Gotham Knights, um, basically the premise, it's set in Gotham City and it takes place after the death of Bruce Wayne, a.k.a. Batman and police commissioner James Gordon. Um, which has resulted in the rise of crime and lawlessness. As you expect. Yeah. So players assume the role of Batman's former protégés, which is Nightwing, Batgirl, Robin, and Red Hood, as they attempt to continue his legacy by protecting Gotham upon receiving a pre-recorded message from Batman. Um, During the game, the heroes encounter several supervillains from the Court of Owls, um, which includes Mr. Freeze, Penguin... And there's going to be some other supporting characters around the place that we're all familiar with. If you know Batman, such as Alfred, and um, there's a new police captain, Ray Renee Monteo, who's one of the last honest cops left in the city. So we had 13 minutes of gameplay, which um, more or less just revealed, like I said, gameplay of two of the playable characters being Nightwing and Red Hood. Um, it showed off their combat, some of their new unique abilities, how they're going to traverse around Gotham, um, and introduced us some of the... St- side missions, essentially um, crimes that are happening around the city that you can interfere with. Um, Also showed off uh, the Belfry, which is going to act as HQ. Um, So that'll be the place you go back to in between missions and you can sort of gear up and go from there. They also introduced us some other cool stuff like the fast travel system, which is via this thing called the fast bat. Um, Impressions, it looks looks pretty cool, um, but kind of looks more of the same if you're familiar with these batman games you sort of know what they're like it's sort of the combo um combat sort of melee sort of stuff and gotham looks very familiar it it sort of looks like any of those original arkham games but you're just going to get a chance to play as four different characters so a little bit of jankiness a few concerns there's some weird stuff going on um Red Hood in particular had a weird way that he was traversing around Gotham. He has this weird magic ability where he can sort of create platforms in the sky and hop from one to the the next, which looks a bit strange. Uh, One thing that always cracks me up about the Batman games is that Batman's typically always been sort of non-lethal in his approach to combat, so he doesn't ever kill anyone. Um, And with this Red Hood character, his weapon of choice is guns, so he's he's doing a lot of shooting, but shooting non-lethal rounds and... You know, it's always hilarious because in in the gameplay footage they showed they showed him kicking someone off a ten story roof. So they oh, go that, to these great that's non-lethal. What are you talking about? <laughs> they go to these great I'm lengths. Sure he's fine. <laughs> yeah, he just yeah dusted off and kept going. But yeah, they always have this thing about not hurting anyone. And there was another scene where you you push someone out of a moving car, and you know the, you, the combat you're just punching someone in the face. You know, so that always cracks me up. Um, but yeah, it, it looked interesting. I sort of was left a little bit, maybe a little bit disappointed. I sort of was sort of hanging out for this one, but the gameplay and what I saw didn't look too incredible, if I'm being honest. Um, but yeah, and, and on top of the gameplay, they also released a short note about... Um, they subtly let everyone know that this game is not going to be coming to the last-gen consoles as well, which is something they'd promised to date. Um, but instead, they've basically just released a very short statement it's just saying they're trying to provide players with the best possible gameplay experience um so they're obviously yeah not concerned about the ps4 and the xbox one and they're just going to focus on bringing the best and final product to the next gen consoles so um yeah and you know on that i think this probably sounds like this is going to be the beginning of a shift away from the old generations of consoles now um you know the ps5 has been out for yeah, nearly two years, year and a half now, I think. So, yeah, I think it's developers now starting to focus primarily on the uh, on the latest gen consoles. Um, Activision, I think, yeah, was it last week or the week before with the new Call of Duty coming coming out this year? They've announced that that's going to be the last Call of Duty game on the current gen consoles. So, I think this is the beginning. It seems like in the industry, there's a bit of a shift away from the old gen consoles, which it sort of makes sense. It's been out for a while, but. I suppose the caveat on that is, and I know you're going to talk about this in a minute, JB, is that getting your hands on one of these, well, now current gen consoles is it's not easy, uh, especially here in Australia. So, yeah, that's a tidbit. It's probably disappointing if you're someone who's got a PS4 and only a PS4 and you're hanging out for this game, you're going to miss out unless somehow you can get your hands on a PS5 or an Xbox Series X. So, 
yeah. 30 minutes of gameplay. It looked looked all right, but I wasn't 100% convinced. So we'll see. That one's coming out on October the 25th. And like I said, PS5, PC, and Xbox Series X, Series S. Fantastic, Ferg. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm... A little bit disappointed to hear that it's uh, coming across looking a bit janky, but to to be honest with you, I'm 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 not really that disappointed that they're moving away from previous gen consoles. I think I think they've got to they've got to make the the decision to move forward at some point. And I think I, I do wonder how much um, making games backward compatible with previous gen actually harms the the final product in the long run. What do you guys think, Simon and Casey? Yeah, I think it's about time as well, Joel. I mean, honest to goodness, um, I'm sick of seeing things coming out for PS4 mm. and PS5. Even when things were coming out for PS3 and PS4, you notice a huge difference with the way that developers tackle graphical fidelity when trying to really compensate for, for older hardware with the newer hardware. It's just games never feel like they're a true next generation step well that's what i think we, we bought this new console i want to see games on the new console not something that i could just play on my old console yeah you know i just yeah i i totally agree it's like when they um came out with the what was that game boy um not game boy but the nintendo the new nintendo 3ds yeah that was like the new, the new cons that one above the Nintendo 3DS and it came out with all of one new game for it. Like that yeah. was exclusive to it yeah. and everything. And it was all just backwards compatible to the other ones. So yeah, I'm totally up for new games that are purely PS5 only. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I second uh, with you, Ferg. I watched this as well and um, it's extremely lackluster. It just, it does look like a lot more of the same, but not, as interesting and not as good. And what's a worry is October's not that far away, so what more can they do? Yeah, no, I'm not going <laughs> to hold my breath for it, for sure. But, I mean, you know, like, and touching on the whole non-lethal stuff as well, I mean, we know that, like you said, for Batman is a is a non-lethal guy. He doesn't kill guys. That's We, we know that. But maybe he taught his protégés in no, the Batman. because the story <laughs> of Red Hood is that Red Hood comes back and decides to kill people because Batman won't. So, for me, it already already rings a lot of alarm bells that all of a sudden red hoods like nah i'm gonna not i'm not gonna kill people anymore but i will kick them off roofs it's just stupid and i just think that it's extremely weak and it's it just shows in the gameplay and also that thing yeah that magic jump that he does so many people online are commenting on the video saying it would make way more sense if red hood had like rockets on his shoes or something because he's mm-hmm. he does cool shit like that you know and that that's how he gets around the city and that's how he could fight as well and it just feels like just, just kind of feels like, hey, people want to see a new Batman game, but we, we don't want to make another Batman game. So we're going to do it with these different characters and and it feels a bit, yeah, I like a bit half I think the premise sounds really cool, but I haven't seen the trailer, so I can't comment. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it looks yeah. boring that's, as, that, as Batperson. <clears throat> I think that's my concern as well, Steely. I think they it looks like they're playing it safe as opposed to trying to do something really different and something, you know, interesting or taking a risk i mean there's been three what are we up to this would be the fifth game or in the last 10 years and they're all like similar to an extent um so yeah a little bit disappointed but i'll i'll wait and see what the reviews are when it comes out and yeah that point about it being a you know they're only going to release it on the ps5 and xbox series x it didn't it doesn't look like a a next gen game either Mm. um Mm. And you think, you know, when they're showing gameplay and stuff like this, they're really going to put their best foot forward to, you know, get everyone excited about it. And what we saw looked a little bit not so amazing, but we'll see. I mean, arguably, you'd say that um, Arkham Knight looks better than this game does. Oh, yeah. And I mean, Arkham Knight was a, a beautiful I mean, that's game. That's an old game. Like, that's yeah. old now, you know. Um, <laughs> that yeah, game that's... is wild. It looks so good. And I just think to myself, like, how, how can you really say you're delivering on that next generation experience um, if it just it looks just as good as a game that's what, somewhat nearly five years old now, you know? Yeah, I think Arkham Knight um, came out in 2015, wasn't it? It'd be seven years old. I think it's that old. Well, it's even it's even wow. older than that. Mm. Wow, and it still looks better than what this looks like. So, um, you know. Well, guys, you heard it here stuff. first. A steaming turd on the way from Warner Brothers Montreal. 
This news is too hot to handle. Um, now, I'd like to uh, like to throw over to uh, Simo. Um, Simo, what 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 do you got for us? What do you got for us? Oh, have you seen this? Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? I'm not. I haven't even told you what it is about yet. But let's let's. I'm about to tell you now. Here right, it is. Have unleash. You seen this? Um, so, <laughs> so um, there was an indie world presentation today. Everybody, yeah, yeah prick up your ears. Uh, exciting times. Watch out. Um, an indie world presentation from Nintendo uh, came up today. Uh, obviously, um, a lot of people online are giving it a bit of a lackluster response once again. Um, you know, people are expecting to see a bit of Hollow Knight Silk Song uh, footage there, which is, you know, a highly anticipated original game from some guys in Australia, believe it or not. It's probably one of my favourite indie games that I've ever played. It's just wild. Look it up. But anyway, Silk Song was meant to be there. It wasn't there. Everyone was very disappointed. But having said that, there was a couple of cool looking games that, mm. that appeared there. And when I say a couple, I mean like a literal couple, everything else looked like trash, but here's my two picks, my two <laughs> picks of the day from the indie world presentation. Two so and only. <laughs> there's two picks only. And um, my first pick would be the very first game that was shown. It's called Ooblets. And this is like a farm simulator meets a creature collector. So, you know, mm-hmm. you, you have to farm these creatures and you can take the creatures around with you and collect all different kinds of ones and dress them up. You can build your town, kind of like Animal Crossing a little bit, but then you can go out of the town and you can explore stuff and I, you can have dance parties. Seems a bit irrelevant and a bit weird, but sure. Like, it looks pretty cool. <laughs> Is it something that I'm going to be bothered with? Probably not. But, I mean, it's it was one of the cooler-looking games. It piqued my interest a little bit. And, I mean... You know, like like Ferg, I'll wait and see for some reviews. If it gets a decent review, I might even think about picking it up on the old digital download and having a little lick of it. But I mean, it's <laughs> it, it looks really sort of fun and and charming. So, Ooblets, keep your eyes out for that. Um, looks really cool. One that really piqued my interest was this game called Alec Head, which mm. is basically a puzzle platformer where you are this little robot and his head's electric, and so if you touch objects. It can activate platforms and traps and even protect you from, um, you know, incoming projectiles and things. And you've got to throw your head to touch certain platforms and navigate your way around um, different little puzzled levels. It looks really fun. I mean, um, kind of looks in the same vein as, say, Celeste or, you know, I don't know, any kind of, I don't know, Super Meat Boy as well, any sort of uh, indie 2D platformer that just seems to get that sort of balance between puzzle and, you know, and and kind of platforming right. I feel like some indie developers do it better than a lot of um, bigger companies do now. And so that's another one that I'm actually quietly excited for, um, being a bit of a, a platformer head myself. I'm really keen for a lek head. So they're my two picks. My two picks for the day, everyone. Clap your hands. That was, there we go. The two. Woo. Thanks. Thank you, Simon. The two best games of the Son day. of a bitch. And just just on them, Summer. <laughs> and, um, both of them, Simon. Yeah. Uh, uh, what am I reading here? Summer 2022. So they shouldn't be too far away. Yeah. That'd be the American yeah, summer. Coming around that, yeah, coming around. That sort be, of June period. That's it. So keep your eyes, yeah. ears, but, and um, everything peeled for them. Yeah, even your bananas. Keep those peeled as well. Uh, yep, good on you, Simon. Uh, anyway, um, so uh, another little bit of news. I don't know. <laughs> um, so President Furukawa, President Furukawa of uh, Nintendo of Japan. Oh, yeah, old, uh, old Furukawa. Yeah, yeah. 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 We're good mates, him and I. Go back a long way. Go, go, back, go back a really long way. It was a good time. We had, we had a... Oh, Good time one time. Anyway, um, so there was a bit of a, um, he was uh, being interviewed um, not so long ago, I think sometime earlier this week, and he was asked again about the next switch. And usually his response would be, we're not planning anything at this time, you know, where you know, the switch is in halfway of its life cycle, you know, we're really firmly like happy with the switch and we're not planning anything. However... However, prick up your ears for this. President Furukawa declined to comment. Thank you, Navi. Declined to comment. So this this is something that um, 
he doesn't often do and Nintendo doesn't often do. They'll usually kind of, you know, just say, no, nah, we're not doing that. No, nah, we're not doing that. But for him to say no comment mm-hmm. feels a bit sus. I'm telling you, everyone, mm-hmm. the wheels are in. <laughs> when you say nothing at all. Running Katie. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the, the next switch is on its way. President Makawa. You son of a bitch. So you, you've made some predictions over the lifetime of this podcast, um, Simo, but I, have, I always forget to write them yeah. down. So what, what have we had so far? What was the Zelda game coming this year that you thought? Would it be Breath of the yeah, Wild? Yeah, the Zelda too? game that's coming put, put this year. Put your tinfoil hat on and let's go. Get your tinfoil hats on. The Zelda game that's coming this year, we're either going to get a bundle of the Wind Waker HD with the Twilight Princess <laughs> HD from the yep. Wii U because they're probably the only two Wii U games that haven't been ported to the Switch yet because, you know, the Switch is basically Wii U Plus at this at this stage. Um, and, and also my other prediction will be that Breath of the Wild 2 is going to launch alongside this next iteration either iteration or upgrade of the switch and those wheels are in motion for you get on that steam they're boat in motion because someone said motion, no comment Ferg. we're putting no it comment means all comment and you reckon that's it's coming happening. this year or we're thinking next year no nah, that's going to come next year with breath of the wild <laughs> it's not coming year. this year well, ain't nobody got time for that i mean documented. they can't even keep up with making you know <clears throat> ps5s and everything they ain't got to be you know what I mean? It's yeah. coming next year. Makes so sense. Leave you, man. Cool. Well, well, there it is. You, you heard, heard it, it. You heard it first. Uh, President Fumikawa coming next year. This news is <laughs> too hot to handle. No, sorry, Nintendo Switch that's a coming while next away. year. That yeah, I was going to say that's a long way for President Fumikawa to wait to, <laughs> to come. <laughs> Well, you know, maybe uh, he just lasts a really long time. Who knows? Well, finally, I had a I had like one of the sound effects of like the drum kit with the badunts. That would be perfect right Next about week, now. <laughs> well, um, have you heard about this? Have you heard about this? Hey, listen. So, uh, courtesy of our friends at uh, at Kotaku. Um, I've got a bit of a bit of a news story about uh, the fact that Australia is now staring down the barrel of a PS5 shortage that will extend through a third Christmas, and uh, there's a, there's a bit of information to sort of uh, highlight uh, what's what's sort of going on. So, at the moment, uh, Shanghai, one of the busiest ports in the entire world, is in a bit of a state due to the region's aggressive pursuit of its zero COVID policy. So. The port of Shanghai is currently backed up for hundreds of kilometres in every direction, and I don't know if you guys have seen it, but there's um, there's these vessel tracker uh, apps that you can get um, online that actually shows you where ships are in relation to different ports and everything. And when you look at Shanghai, there are just ships in every possible direction, extending all over the place. And uh, so they said the backlog is so extreme um, that most supply chain experts are not expecting it to clear until next year at the earliest. And uh, a supply chain management expert, David Leaney, told 3AW Radio that there were enough shipping containers caught in stasis around China to circle the equator four times. Just to, just to oh put that God. in perspective. So... Um, what does this mean for Aussie gamers? If you live in Australia, these giant clusters of ships unable to load or unload their cargo are why most of your online shipping is currently delayed. Uh, things are even worse if you're waiting on electronics. A global chip and semiconductor shortage is affecting every part of the consumer electronics industry and is expected to drag on well into 2024. So superconductors are a a vital component in constructing the devices that we use every day, PCs, smartphones, tablets, cameras, and of course, video game consoles. So for those waiting on a next-gen console, uh, it's not really looking like great news for you. So um, obviously, you know, people have uh, been been trying to follow online when stock comes in and putting their name down to try and you know get a get a console you know as soon as, as soon as they get an alert saying that that stocks come in and, and stuff like that but um, 
uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a bit of a shit show to be honest. And um, uh, Sony likes to assemble as much hardware as possible in Japan, but a significant percentage of PS5 consoles are constructed in China to help hit shipment targets. So that means that not only are completed consoles stuck in transit, but so are the components used to construct new ones. And it's all currently floating out there in shipping containers, no good to anyone. Mm. So um, in the words of uh, the person who wrote this article, it's going to be really fucking hard to get a PS5 in Australia for the third Christmas in a row. So what, what are we thinking about that, DG crew? Uh I mean, I know I've got a PS5. I know uh, Steely and C-Mac have got one. Ferg, you're probably not as affected since uh, the PC is your poison of choice. But, um, I mean, even if you wanted to upgrade your video card or, or, you know, throw in a bit of extra RAM or stuff like that, you're going to be affected as well. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's... um, It's a bit of a shit show, isn't it? It's a pretty unfortunate um, series of events. Yeah, I mean, I've been lucky. I've got my PC, which I predominantly game on. But in the last sort of six months, I've thought, oh, yeah, I wouldn't mind getting a PS5. You know, then you've got a war. Obviously, everyone in the DG crew is playing on PlayStation. I thought, oh, there might be some good opportunities to play with you on some um, PlayStation exclusives. And I think it would have been the end of April. I think EB Games got the tiniest amount of stock in. Um, I saw on their social media and... They actually had some really good sort of pre-order, you know, if you trade in your PS4 Pro or something. It was nearly, I think I've got a PS4 Pro and I think if I was to trade it in towards a PS5, it nearly paid for half of it. And I thought, yeah, that's not a bad deal. Um, missed out on that, but I did go into my local EB Games, I don't know, maybe the following week and I went up to the guy and I was like, hey mate, like, what, what's the story? How much stock are you getting in? Like, is there any chance, you know, that a PS5 might be available anytime soon? And this guy looked at me like I was crazy. He, like, yeah. I nearly had to look down and check that I was like wearing pants or something, like I was properly dressed, because this guy was like, "Is this guy been under a rock?" Like, mate, like I can't help you. It's nah. it's you versus everyone else in Australia. As soon as you see it online on our social media page, you just got to hope that you're somewhere first in the line. It's like none of the individual stores are getting stock. They don't know anything about it. They really can't help. So um, that pretty much squashed any kind of. Um, dream I had of potentially getting a PS5 but you know the interesting thing as well is we're nearly what are we nearly two years into the life cycle of this PS5 18 months I think at the beginning they were sort of saying it was going to be a five six maybe seven year period that they were going to we're getting closer to like halfway by the time you get to 2024 we're halfway through the life cycle that they were predicting of this console so at what point do you just think oh we'll just wait um yeah. Well, they're saying also in this article that if the shortage does indeed stretch into 2024, it could mean that the PS5 spends half of its planned life cycle out of stock and not in the way that Sony would like. So two years into the life cycle is where hardware usually undergoes a revision. So, you know, uh, PS5 becomes a PS5 Pro or, you know, some variant of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sony is still battling to get launch models on shelves, let alone think about what version 2 looks like. Mm. And it, it begs the question, how does Sony expect to ship PSVR 2 units under these sorts of conditions when they're talking about potentially launching PSVR 2, I think, later this year, uh, if I'm not mistaken? So I'd say that, well, maybe the chances of getting a PSVR 2 are better than getting a PS5 mm. Uh, at all if, if not many people are able to actually uh, get a PS5 yeah, there might be uh, PSVR 2s uh, all over the place mm, I don't know what, what are you thinking Gosh, we must have been um, we must have been pretty fortunate because we put on a, we put a pre-order in when it first got announced and they said oh nah it's going to be month, like ages really? yeah. ages yeah, and ages and ages and like ages. the March of the following year yeah the March of the following year I reckon we got a phone call at the in December, it was on, oh, was it November? Yeah, we got a call in wow. November, so they said I was going to be ready by the following year, March. We got a call in November saying, "Oh, we've got one here for you now. It's waiting for you." Wow. And we just crapped ourselves. We're like, "What? We're not. We're not prepared for this." So <laughs> we quickly gathered our PS4 and all the games we wanted to trade in, and we went there. And a pretty, I think, 
our trading, the trading was so good. Well, because we're level fours at EB Games. Yeah, level four plus the trading. Plus the trading. Trading in the PS4 and a bunch of games we weren't playing anymore or that we knew we were going to, you know, um, play paid for the entire thing. So we were super duper fortunate. So we haven't, ha- I haven't really been following any of these shortages because I haven't, I don't care. <laughs> it's, it's begs, begs to ask the question though, is there even a point revising this console at all? Like you were saying, Joel, like, you know, It'd be unfair, wouldn't it? It just kind of feels like if you were to revise it now, you're just, it's just narrowing and narrowing and narrowing the installer base for any game that you bring out um just it keeps getting smaller and smaller um and it's it's funny because it's a double-edged sword you know it's great that any time one of these things come in stock they get pinched for you know for sony that's great they sell them as soon as they hit shelves that's awesome but i mean to be so heavily reliant on the situation in china to improve is it's just um it's stifling not only to the consumer base but just to the whole video game industry as a business it kind of just feels like everything's stuck in limbo and and that's a really sad feeling especially when like you said right at the start of the show you know like i want to see some games on my ps5 Mm. that are meant for my ps5 and it just feels like we're not getting there and we're not getting there quick enough. There's no momentum. And I I mean, especially with PS5, I feel like that the momentum for games to come out on it is extremely slim and we're just seeing it very much drip fed to us. Well, what have we really played that's PS5 exclusive? Ratchet and Clank. Yeah. That's it. Ratchet and Clank. That's the one PS5 PS5 exclusive exclusive we have played. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, that was fun, but I'm really just, I'm, just eager for a proper next-gen experience. And I get that there's going to be a lot of people that don't get to play that next-gen experience. But, hell, when I first picked up a PS3, it was right at the end of its life cycle. I mean, it was like the year left of it, and I smashed through so many games. (laughs) And, I mean, it's just, um, I think, like, too bad at the end of the day. You just kind of have to nimble it and move on. and, And we need some more games for the PS5. And, yeah, it's sad, but whatever, like... I mean, my my big concern. There's there's probably two two things to consider, and I think, I mean, obviously Australia and China aren't on very good terms at the moment. But if you set the politics of that aside, um, I mean, it really feels to me like, um, and it's not just Sony that are in this this um, situation, but so many companies seem to have put all their eggs in the China basket. And now that China are having these disruptions and and they're pursuing this zero COVID policy, which is hugely disruptive to supply chains and all the all the gear going in and out of China, it just seems like you know should companies be consider you know other options for where they're going to produce this stuff? You know, I mean this. <laughs> There's there's mm. heaps of different places around the world that you could build it and and still do it cost effectively and and you know is China really the place still for us to be be doing this given the way that they like to do things over there you know so I guess that's that's part of my concern but the other thing is um, when you look at the profitability of video games uh, like I was hearing about there's a there's a game uh, that's available on mobile. Uh, platforms, so uh, I guess iOS and um, Android, uh, Genshin Impact. Now this this game turns over a billion dollars every six months, uh, and it's a what? it's a live service game, so it's free to download, and they generate the revenue by people you know spending you know real money to to buy in game upgrades etc. So. When, when game developers look at the profitability of doing stuff on mobile platforms, what's what's the incentive for any developer now to develop for a, for a console or, or even for PC for that matter when the hardware is becoming, you know, so difficult to get a hold of, like, they're, they're effect, like the profitability of a game that you develop is now going to be affected by whether consumers can actually buy the hardware to play the game on, um, you know... It's it's scary to think that there might be a really significant shift away from console and PC based gaming, and you know developers just going, oh look, this is just too hard. Let's just develop for mobile, and you know 
rake it in. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a good point, Joel. I mean, um, but, you know, you've got to look at how, how these businesses, because all of these game companies are businesses. So we've, we've always got to take ourselves a step back and, and look at them directly as businesses. Um, if you think of it in this regard, it just, it depends on if you're making the right moves at the right time. I think obviously in hindsight, PS5 was released way too early. They could have, they could have really ridden the wave of PS4 for a few more years. And then there wouldn't have been this issue so much. Like this issue could have maybe been resolved or thought about a little bit more in depth, but because companies do get a little bit greedy in the sense of, well, hey, now we need to bring out something new because we really want to make money on this new thing and we want to shift people away to a, a fresher technology. And, and you know, it's it's a marketing ploy in, in a sense. Um, but I feel like they could have just stuck with the PS4 for a while and then upgraded everything when it was a bit more certain that there would be the availability as well. And so that in that way, it would have made it, that same amount of profitability and it wouldn't be so much of a, you know, this talk that we're having now about, is it better to develop for mobile? I mean, I think mobile games do make a lot of money, but I think it depends on whether or not it catches and it hits or not. You know, um, Genshin Impact is very like much a breath of the wild, like apart from the fact that it's, um, you know, a, a live service. Um, it definitely borrows a lot from that. And it really, did that because it was trying to capture the magic of Breath of the Wild and monetize it in a in a larger platform. We already know that Zelda games are going to sell a lot because it's Zelda and it's a Nintendo game. But Nintendo have been very smart with the way that they've handled the Switch. And I mean, most of the time in Australia, a Switch in some form is available, whether or not it's a, a base model, a Switch Lite, or you know, their little miniature half step with a Switch OLED, which in in all speculation, people say was created because they couldn't keep up with the production of the next iteration of the Switch. So they released this in order to have a half step and have something new to bring people that wouldn't disrupt their player base and their sales. Super smart. No I, comment. <laughs> super smart thing to do. And I think now that they're gearing up for a time when they might actually be ready to release something that no is comment. a bit more powerful that you know it's being smart about your business and i just think that um uh, with i mean microsoft as well biting off a bit more than you can chew releasing these newer platforms because you want to keep up with the fashion and you know bring out something that's nice and flash and new but not having the resources to actually do it because you're doing it in the middle of a pandemic mm -hmm. i think it's just um it's just bad business at the end of the day you know well, you heard it here first. Uh, you know, releasing video game consoles in the middle of a pandemic is bad business. Bad business. Just, just on, <laughs> just on that, JB. I mean, we're talking about PS Five here, and obviously Xbox Series X. There are some Xbox Series S's in the wild, and I think as far as like a next gen console, I reckon they present some pretty good value. I think they're only about four hundred bucks. I think brand new. And, you know, we've talked about on the show a lot about Xbox Game Pass. And, you know, for someone like myself who has a PC, obviously Xbox are the same family. It doesn't make sense. But if you were someone that was looking to jump in, didn't have a PC, then I think that's a really good way to go. If you, you bundle that up with the value that you get out of a Game Pass, I think, and I think last, yeah, was it last month or the month before, um, Microsoft had, I don't know, record-breaking sales. A, because they could actually get some consoles on the shelf. But, yeah. Series S, if you're looking for a next gen, I think that's that's a pretty good bet. Yeah, well, that's that's what my my brother did um, for my nephews. He he got them the Series S, so I guess because it was easy to get, and mm. they've got Games Pass, so you know the boys can download whatever whatever new games they want to play and just smash them out. So it does make sense, but I don't understand why why we can get Series S uh, Xboxes on the the shelf, but not Series X. You know, they're all made from same semiconductors and you know bits and pieces it's, i guess they're just not in as high demand or, or something but uh, yeah possibly yeah anyway moving on uh so this week for our novelty game segment we have we're gonna have a look at favorite and least favorite video game characters wow. 
So I might have. I what Nintendo given, game was that? I might have given the game away a bit, but I, I, I'm going to jump straight into that. My least favourite video game character is is this fellow right here. Take that, Mister Eyeballs. Waluigi, what a waste of space uh, that character is. So, uh, all right, just just try and picture this. All right, so. Nintendo have gone. All right, we need to create a character that's that's sort of like an anti Mario. So you take the M in Mario, you turn it upside down, it becomes a W. You get Wario. <laughs> Makes perfect sense, all right? So upside down, you know, Wario's the anti Mario. It all it all comes together nicely, and you know, Nintendo's done a, a pretty good job. With him as a character, and they've they've come out with some pretty decent Wario games over the years. I mean, you know, all the way back to the Game Boy, um, you know, the original Game Boy era. Then, then there's Waluigi. So they've gone. Oh well, we've got an anti Mario, so we need an anti Luigi to to sort of even things out. And uh, but he's he's just filler. You know, there's 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 nothing. There's no substance there. And uh, you know they've just gone. Oh, yeah. Let's just just create like a slightly eviler looking uh, Luigi. We'll throw a pair of uh, purple suspenders on him, and we'll just put "wah" in front of uh, <laughs> Luigi, and and there you go. There's there's your your anti Luigi. Uh, you you know, can't really turn the L upside down, can you? Well, no. <laughs> Maybe I mean, an F. I mean, uh, why Luigi? You son of a bitch. <laughs> He's got a very obnoxious voice as well. Oh, Useless. Luigi, yeah. Take that, Mister Eyeballs. <laughs> I, I don't even know the context for that uh, for that soundbite, but uh, I've never heard that soundbite in any Nintendo game before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Waluigi. <laughs> see you later, pal. I'm trying to think on what recent oh. games he's been on. Anything recent? I don't oh. think we've seen him for a while. Any s- Nintendo sports, sports game? Any oh. Nintendo party game? Any Where, Mario yeah, okay. game? Is there? Mario Where they need the yeah. Yeah, to boost up the total numbers Filler. of players. Filler. That's right. Any time that they're, they're dragging out, you know, your, your B and C level characters, you know, your, your Princess Daisies, your Toadette, um, you know. Rosalina. Shy Guy, you know. Uh, what was the one the the pink um, you know pink metal peach Birdo? or whatever you were oh, uh, Birdo's another classic oh, pink example. gold peach yeah gold yeah peach. yeah gold peach and all that I mean far out love gold peach I mean Waluigi what a oh. waste of space um, Ferg who's your least favourite um, game character. Uh, so I, I went with the first one that cropped to my mind. So I, I don't know if he's... Is he my least favourite? Yeah, sure, why not? If he's not my least favourite, he's the most annoying video game character I've ever come across and was the first one to pop in my brain. And that's that's Preston Garvey from Fallout 4. Awesome. <laughs> 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 uh, I won't play the whole thing, otherwise that's going to take forever. <laughs> So, I know you're familiar Thank with you. the Fallout series very well, Joel. We've talked about Fallout 4 a lot, but Preston... So Preston Garvey, obviously, the, uh, the, the one of the first characters you meet post, yeah. post getting out of the vault. He's uh, sort of the leader of a group of uh, fighters Minutemen. called the Minutemen. That's correct. Um, what, what is it about uh, poor Preston that's, uh, that's got you uh, a bit upset? Well, poor Preston, like you said, you meet him early on and... He's actually a fantastic character at the beginning. He's sort of one of the first people you get to know and you help out. But basically, when you finish the main story missions with him, you basically become his errand boy. Now, when Fallout 4 was sort of getting spruked and it was in development, you know, people always asking because these games have always been long games that have come from Bethesda. You think of Skyrim, the amount of, you know, hundreds of hours that people can put into them. And they were asking, like, you know, how long is this game? How long is it going to take us to beat? And Todd Howard and all them at Bethesda to be like, this game you can play infinitely. You can play it forever. And everyone was just like, oh my gosh, can you imagine a game where it's, it's going to have so much content? We're going to be playing Fallout 4 for thousands and thousands of hours. 
And basically what Preston turns into after you sort of get through the story missions, he's the gatekeeper of what is a huge gaming trope, which I don't like, which is what they call these radiant missions. So they're basically never-ending missions. And after you sort of have, like I said, the story with him, you go and see him and he goes, all right, I need your help. There's some settlers over here that are in trouble. And so off you go and you help the settlers. And then you run back to him and he goes, oh, it's so good. Thanks for doing that. Oh, by the way, I've got such and such over here that you have to go and help. And so off you trot into the wasteland and you go and help him and you come back and he's like, oh, thanks. Oh, there's some, you know, those settlers you just helped before. They need help again. And so off you go. Yeah. And it gets to a point where I was sort of playing and I was like, oh, they're okay. But then after you do it three times, you're just like... This. You're holding the controller and thinking... No, God! <laughs> so poor, poor Preston becomes... No, no, no! <laughs> it's not so no! much his character. <laughs> He's just, he just becomes this void for just... You just run errands for him. And after a while, you just get so incredibly frustrated. You nearly feel like saying, why don't you go do it, mate? Like, what do you like? Yeah. You go and do something. So you, you kind of want to let the the settlers just get mowed down by the much. super mutants after a while. It's just like. So yeah, yeah. Preston, right. for sending me on a thousand errand missions, you're my least fa- favorite character. I'd, I'd say that's that's fair enough, really. Mm. Uh, Casey, who's who's your least favorite video game character? Yeah, well, the first one that kind of came to my mind was Trevor from GTA Five. And keep going. And why is Trevor your least favourite character, Casey? Oh. Goodness, it's been that many years since we've played it and it's he still sticks out in my mind as just this... I just felt super-duper uncomfortable every time we we shifted over to him in the story and we played as him. Every single time I just felt uncomfortable. He was so deranged, violent, foul-mouthed. It just... Which is fine. Like, I understand that, but it just became too much of this trait it just like completely embodied his whole character the whole time i just felt like i could never sympathize with him there was never a lighter side to him like you get with michael and franklin and you know just at the end when you had to spoiler alert <laughs> for gta 5 which has been re-released that many spoiler times alert, spoiler alert. <laughs> when you have a choice to either kill one of the characters or save everyone we we killed Trevor <laughs> and <laughs> we didn't feel hey, bad about it because that eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> we just disliked him so much as a character throughout the whole game. And yeah, I just, I, yeah, didn't like the guy and that's my least favorite. I mean, I'm hearing what you're saying. I mean, I think the fact that, Tre- I mean, Trevor made everyone feel uncomfortable, I yeah. think, because he's just so yeah. deranged and, and just seems so unstable. Like, you know, uh, there's a there's a scene where he, he sort of rocks up and, and, and sees Michael again for the first time after, you know, thinking that he was dead for all this time. And he's, he's in the kitchen and you're watching the interaction between him and, and Michael and the kids and, and all that. And it, yeah, I mean, the whole thing, made you feel really uncomfortable but you sort of think well respect to rockstar for making you feel yeah something about this this character um at all but yeah he definitely was not well, the fact that he made my <laughs> least favorite means that it's, he stood out in my mind as it, you know it, it must have been quite well done if i've remembered it this many mm. years later but yeah the i just remember feeling sick and uncomfortable <laughs> with everything he did and everything he said in the whole game and yeah i enjoy i don't mind strange and weird and deranged characters <laughs> at the best of times <laughs> but i do like to see a bit of a, a lighter side i, I can't even remember well, if it was humility to him just as well. just, just a very small human. slither of it and i just didn't I can't remember getting any of that. Maybe we did. I don't know. It's been that long, but yeah, it's um. He was yeah. I don't. I wouldn't. I would kill him again. <laughs> well, <laughs> Trevor, take that, Mister Eyeballs. 
<laughs> I did. I did like That's the. That's a key. That soundbite. <laughs> one thing I always remember from those games. I did like the. You know when you'd change players. Some of Trevor's. You know where you'd pick up where he was. Always made me giggle a bit. There was some mm. where he's just like hanging off a side of a bridge in his jocks, and he's like hurling abuse at passers by. He's obviously hammered. Some of that stuff was a bit so funny, funny, but you're right. He's he was very unhinged to the point of, yeah, nearly being a bit uncomfortable to be like, what's this guy going to do in this cutscene? I didn't. Scene? Like, I didn't... <clears throat> Wasn't the first scene that you saw of him some banging some chick in the kitchen? Yeah, was it was. It was, uh, was having the sex with a woman first... in his kitchen, and then. And then he runs outside to confront her, her boyfriend or husband right. or whatever, and then him murders him by beating him to death. Um, so yeah, see, that's where it might have I might have started feeling a bit uncomfortable. Yeah, I, I can't I can't imagine why that would make anyone feel uncomfortable. Just... Casey, isn't that normal behaviour? First impressions. <laughs> yeah. Well, Trevor, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Simon, so uh, so who who is your least favourite video game character, Simo? I want y'all to take your minds back to a very dark time uh, in life when Sonic Adventure 1 was released and there was a character in this game who is just the biggest piece of shit and his name is Big the Cat. Wow. So, give us give us the lowdown. (laughs) Give us the lowdown on Big the Cat. Yeah, I'm going to give you the four triple C on Big the Cat. Look, Big the Cat is um, basically uh, okay. So, in in the game Sonic Adventure One, you get to play as a multitude of characters. You play as Sonic. You play as Knuckles. You play as Tails. You play as that stupid mole Amy Rose as well, who I don't like either. But and then you also play as this big dumb shit of a cat called big the cat and basically you you big the cat is looking for a frog and that's all you do when you play his levels is you look for this stupid frog and you fish for it which is just so weird and i mean like it's just you're cruising around and it basically feels like you're playing stupid dumb shithole simulator you know it's just like you're walking around as this big humanoid cat and you you're looking for a frog and it's just like why is this who approved this in the first place to be in sonic adventure sonic's big you know foray into the 3d world let's stick a big fucking cat in there and make him run around and catch his frog because that sounds like fun like somebody obviously that had a, a, a either they were sitting at the computer and had a brain aneurysm and hit the keyboard in a weird way and said cat that finds frog put it in game sent it to yuji naka and the rest of the you know, the brain dead turds that made the Sonic Adventure series. And then all of a sudden you've got Big the Cat and he's in the game. And it's just, I just, he's pointless and I hate him. And anytime I think to myself, oh, I could go back and play Sonic Adventure, I remind myself that I'm forced to play as Big the Cat. And so I stop myself after I play the very first level just to see the whale chase Sonic through the bloody, you know, over the over the jetty. That's as far as I go because I can't be bothered with this pointless crap that is big, big, the stupid cat. I hate him. Emotional damage. (laughs) Well. No, poor Big the Cat. No, 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 no. Big the Cat. Dumb. Big the Cat. You (laughs) son of a bitch. All right. You know, and they even call him Big the Cat because he's a big cat as well. I just, it's like, <laughs> call him Tiny the Cat or something. At least he's like some kind of, you know, it's it's a little bit funny, but not not even. He's just a big stupid cat. <laughs> we've, wow. we've, we've really triggered Simo with that one. I, so. I think we have. Yeah, uh, I fucking hate him. I don't want to talk about it. Anyway. So, all right, all right. Well, let's 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 shift gears, Simon. Who is your yeah. favourite video game character ever? This one was hard for mm. me to really pinpoint. However, I'm, I'm going to give you a little bit of a backstory into this one as well. Um, 
I never played Majora's Mask when I was a kid. Um, I thought that it was too hard and I didn't like how it gave me a time period. I, so I was just this kid that just wanted thrills without the chills, you know what I mean? And anyway, so I never played it, but I picked it up um, when it was remastered on my 3DS. And um, although I had to play the entire game with a walkthrough, one of just my favourite games of all time. But the thing that makes it one of my favourite games of all time is just all the characterization, all the stories that are throughout it, um, all the little characters make it amazing, but it all centralizes around this one character who in the game before it is basically just a shop. Like he, he owns a shop and that's it. And he owns a shop where he sells masks and you think nothing more of it. And then in this game, the happy mask salesman is like the most mysterious and amazing and just like wonderful character to put into a game like this because it just creepens the vibe to creepy from about 50 to 100 and um it's the happy mask salesman for sure wah, 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 wah. The creepy <laughs> mask salesman is your favourite video game. The happy game. mask salesman. Is, is, all right. So the happy He's mask awesome. salesman it's... is your favourite character of all time. I, yeah, you, you, but you know what's weird? I, I know, don't even keep laughing at me for this. Why he is my favourite is I think because for this whole game, right from the word go, he sets a tone and um, that tone makes you kind of feel like through the whole game, unlike any other Zelda game that you've played before it, it makes you question even when you're trying to save the world if you're doing it for the right reasons or not because this guy just seems to be a little bit weird and a bit unhinged and you just don't know if he's there to help you or not. I mean, all Sounds all, a bit like Trevor. Even though I'm mm. going to spoil it. Yeah, well, you know, except that he doesn't go on weird sexual bashing sprees and stuff but um so the, can't, the thing you, is, is that there's you know, no there's no yeah, scene in, in majora's mask where the the happy mask salesman has got you know <laughs> someone bent over a, 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 a kitchen counter oh. and then you know beating uh you know ganondorf to death out the front with a beer bottle that's uh that's all right i'll uh definitely i'll see myself not. you out. won't find that in- <laughs> <laughs> but you know it, it's it comes from uh, like um just seeing the way that he introduces what you have to do in the game he he's um very strange and operates strange as well the way that he talks and and jolts from one emotion to another just um shows the different kind of mask that we wear as people it's got a lot of metaphors attached to it and, and symbolism attached to it and i just find that his characterization drives you that whole game because when you see him at the end and you realize that He's not evil, but he's trying to protect evil. He's just a bit of a, like, he's kind of um, enigmatic in a way, and he just disappears. And you kind of think to yourself, who is this guy? In the whole lore of Zelda, who is the Happy Mask Salesman? And and for that, I just, I'm always drawn to him. I think he's an awesome character. And I'd love to see that kind of character portrayed in like a, a film, just like I'd watch a film purely based on the Happy Mask Salesman, hands down. <laughs> Because he is just, I feel like he's a good enough character to carry a whole film. Well, happy mask salesman. You son of a bitch. Simon gives you the, uh, the, the, the thumbs up. Casey. Thumbs up. Who's, who's, your, who's yes. your favorite? Who's your favorite? Yeah, this was also a really hard one. I couldn't, I had a hard time picking, but. I don't know. I kind of ended on Spyro the Dragon for my favorite. And what <laughs> what is it about Spyro the Dragon that really draws you in? I don't know. It's it's hard to know if it's more of a nostalgia favorite game character or something that I like. <laughs> I really only like him in the three original games. And I don't know, he's just a simple animated dragon and the way he's just easily controlled, he's got a fluid movement. It's just, he's just really simplistic the way they've made his character. You know, he, you can get little upgrades, but they're only timed upgrades. So 
you know, you can have 30 seconds of sort of a ice breath or, you know, 30 seconds of flying unlimited, like flying continuously in the air because he doesn't usually fly that far. And, you know, and then you just push push square and he rams things. I don't know. I just really like Spyro. He's always, I called him sassy before and Simon laughed at me. <laughs> I said, what's the male equivalent of sassy? And he said, oh, cocky. But I don't know. I, I, I think he's got a really cute, funny sassy demeanor and yeah i just really i really enjoy spyro in the small cut scenes we see of him i just i think he's really lovable he's fun and yeah that's that's my favorite wow. oh you better know i'm gonna save your dragon <laughs> that's my sassy spyro voice spyro you are too hot to handle uh what about you Ferg? <clears throat> what about you who 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 tops the list who, who tops the list yeah again world this one was a, a tricky one. I'm sort of with Simon. As much as we're having a giggle that Simon's picked the happy, what was it, the mask-wearing guy who's, you know, not the main character in any games. He I, sells them, Ferg. <laughs> he sells the masks. I think what makes... <laughs> I think what makes um, video games so good is all those secondary characters. I think they'd often take the highlight in games. Having said that, I'm going to completely contradict that comment. Um, and the character I picked, which... I don't know. Maybe it's a bit of a cop out because this one, this character appears all over the place. Not just in video games. He's in obviously comics and movies and stuff like that. But I've picked Batman. <laughs> so, so talk us, talk us through why why Batman, Ferg? Well, I think. You know, if you start with Bruce Wayne, obviously he's this smart, charismatic sort of character who's rich. Um, and then the alter ego of Batman, I just, I've always loved it as far as the films, but in the video games especially, it's just this, he's just this badass character who, you know, goes around cracking skulls of, you know, setting criminals right, you know, and just the whole sort of playing into the fear of his character, like all of his en- enemies are terrified of him. And then, you know, video games specifically I always think, you know, if I was playing within this video game as Batman, just how much fun would it be to have access to, you know, all the cool gadgets, you know, using your zip line and gliding around Gotham and doing those things. So, you know, the Batmobile and riding on his bike. And I don't know, he's just a bit of a general good guy who's, yeah, ha- goes around and causes all sorts of mayhem and has access to... Cool gadgets, cool vehicles, and yeah, just basically is this sort of godlike figure in this world of Gotham where, you know, all of his enemies are petrified of him and he plays into the whole mysteriousness and in the darkness and the shadows and stuff like that. I've, I've always thought he's a super cool character. And, you know, at the top, we talked about some of those Batman games who they stand up as some of my favorite of all time. So, yeah, as far as video game character, if I'd want to be someone in person, it's got to be Batman for sure. So I'm just imagining now Batman standing <clears throat> in an alley punching a criminal in the face and giving him a bit of take that mr eyeballs <laughs> yeah his non-lethal ca- <laughs> takedowns where he continuously pummels the guy's face until he looks like a, a half-eaten pasty but you know at least it's <laughs> not yeah you know, le- leaving the person permanently disabled yeah, you that's know, it probably wheelchair bound but it didn't know. kill him so it's all good but yeah anyway as long as it didn't result in death then uh, everything else is excusable <laughs> Um, so for sure, the the uh, the character that I want to put forward as my my favourite, and and mainly because this this character is so memorable uh, from the original Command and Conquer game, the character of Kane. So. He's, uh, he's introduced as the leader of the Brotherhood of Nod in the original Command and & Conquer. And uh, the first time you see him in the game is when uh, he interrupts one of your mission briefings by blowing the head off the guy who's uh, telling you what you need to do for that mission and just sort of pushes his slumped over body off the chair and then he sort of sits down, cool as a cucumber and starts uh, telling you, you know, exactly what you, what you need to do. And uh, straight away, you're like, oh, you know, who, who is this bloke? And um, 
you know, he's he's really identifiable to to anyone who's played the games because he's got you know his signature bald head and he's got this goatee. That's it. He hasn't <clears throat> changed in the last sort of, uh, oh, you know, the first Command and Conquer game came out in nineteen ninety two. So we're what thirty years on from that now. Uh, he hasn't. He doesn't look like he's aged today in thirty years. By the way. But um, just a, a bit of amusing sort of trivia about, about Kane. So Kane is portrayed and voiced by Joseph David Kukan, who also served as full motion video director and dramatic director for games produced by Westwood Studios from 1992 to 2002. Um, so he was actually part of the development team for Westwood Studios who released the original Command & Conquer and his brother, Daniel Kukan, also appeared in several Command & Conquer games. Uh, so since Westwood Studios did not have a large budget at the time, they employed the game developers as actors mm. in their uh, cutscenes. And uh, when making a placeholder video to test the compression methods, Westwood assigned Kukan to say a line in which he would imitate a villain character and that that test video actually gave him the role of the charismatic leader of Brotherhood of Nod, Kane. Mm. So um, I've always liked that story that he, mm. you know, he was not employed as an actor. He was just part of the de- development team and someone uh, mm. said, oh, you know, step in and mm-hmm. just say this line. And went, oh, shit, you're actually all right, mate. So, uh, yeah, that's awesome. They said, who can act? Yeah. For, yeah. <laughs> was, oh, uh, there you go, Ron. Please, <laughs> 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 no, no. It's great, great. (laughs) So, yeah, David Kukan. You son of a bitch. Oh, Joseph David Kukan. Don't get mixed with the brother. Great, great uh, favourite character there, JB. I love those games and I've got fond memories of playing them for the first time and just being like, in comes the bald guy with like a goatee, you know, you could set your watch to. This thing is like, he's got an iconic look. And I remember, like you said, that first couple of scenes, I remember just watching and just being like, this guy is a bad man. And I got a similar thing when I watched Star Wars for the first time, when you get the scene in um, when Darth Vader boards the ship and he just sort of walks out and you just get that feeling of just like, this is a bad guy. And I remember like, yeah, playing those Command and Conquer and just being like, yeah, I don't want to get on the wrong side of this guy because he's probably going to kill me pretty quickly. He's certainly got a presence to him. That's Absolutely. For sure. That's for sure. Well, that's about all the time we've got for this week on the Discerning Gamer podcast. If you would like to get in touch with us, we are the Discerning Gamer on Facebook. We are Discerning Gamer podcast on Instagram. We are Discerning Pod on Twitter. Uh, or you could also send us an email at discerninggamerpodcast at gmail.com. I'd like to thank the DG crew. I've got Fergus Hamilton. Thank you very much, Ferg. Thanks, JB. Always a pleasure, mate. Uh, Simon Steely McLaughlin, thank you for being with us this week, Simon. Thank you for always giving us your words, your voice, and love and light, JB. Take it out of there. Emotional damage. And I'd also like to thank the last but not least member of the DG crew. We've got the Nintendo Queen herself, Casey C. Mac McLaughlin. Thank you very much, Casey. Thanks, Joel. Thanks, everyone. And we'll see you next week. See ya. Bye. Bye.